Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 212 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is March 12th. 2012. Lots of 12s today. We've got a great show for you this week on the Peristyle Podcast. One week into USC Spring Football 2012. We've got Coach Harvey Hyde in the first segment. He's going to talk all about what he saw out on Howard Jones Field later on in the show. We're going to talk to Gerard Martinez, our national recruiting analyst for uscfootball.com. We have a lot of recruiting questions actually from the past couple of weeks, so we're going to try to get to each and every one of those with Gerard Martinez. We'd love to hear from you. So if you have questions, you can always email us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or call us at 206-888-6755, or go right to peristylepodcast.com and leave us a voicemail over SpeakPipe. It's on the left side of the page. Just click that, and you can leave us a voice message. But as promised, we're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde. First up, first segment, he was at practice on Saturday. I want to get his thoughts on that. Coach, what's up? Well, first of all, it's a great day, and it's great to talk Trojan football again. And, Ryan, I'm looking forward to uh, talking about uh, the conclusion of the first week, having a week off, and then coming back and uh, getting, it after it, getting after it for four more weeks. So uh, let's get started. Yeah, before we uh, jump into everything, just want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. Go to sctickets.com or call them at 1-800-888-7287. You need tickets for anything Southern California or across the country. They've been really kind to us over the years. Hope you can be kind to them. Give them some business. SCTickets.com or 1-800-888-7287. And Coach, you were down there. First uh, spring practice you attended and checked it out over the weekend. They Actually, the first day they went into pads. I was not there, full disclosure. Uh, my wife's birthday was over the weekend, so I took her to San Diego. So I did end up skipping it. So I don't really know what went on on Saturday. And I know you were reading a lot about what was going on. Coach, maybe get your thoughts on what you saw and – Overall, you know, they've taken a week off in, in the middle of spring practice or after the beginning of spring practice. is a little bit strange. They have spring break this following week. So they do three practices, take a week off. Then they have four more, like you said. It's a little bit different, but maybe get your thoughts, Coach, on what was going on with spring ball. Well, first of all, it was a beautiful day, and they got there early and they had a chance to uh, watch all the workouts and stretching, the stretching and drills and so on. And let me first of all by, start by saying uh, a lot of parents came out. A lot of parents were there. It was great to see the parents back out watching spring practice and so on. When I went onto the field, the turf of Howard Jones Field is the best I've ever seen it. Now, I don't know. You were out there probably on Tuesday and Thursday, but it's the best I've seen the turf. It looks like it's brand-new turf. It's really manicured. It's it's the way it should be for a practice field for a team that's playing for Pac-12 championship or a national championship. On the other side of the field, on the west side of the field, of course, they had some recruits that were there and so on. It's great to keep them separate from uh, the media and the parents, and they have an opportunity to, to mingle over there and, and have a great shot. People don't stand in front of them and so on to, to, to see practice. Had a great opportunity to talk to the officials. Tony Karenny was there, the coordinator of officials for the Pac-12. Had a great talk with him, discussed some of the rule changes. Uh, had a chance to talk to Sid Simon, who is the uh, an NFL official, supervisor. Uh, what? What? Let's see. Officiated two Super Bowls, and also uh, works with Tony in helping these young officials get better and better and better for the Pac-12 far as officiating crews and I was really impressed with the youth the conditioning the speed and how well the officials officiated the scrimmage I really was and then at the end of the scrimmage it was amazing when uh, everyone was walking off uh, who was it oh Ed Orgeron and yelled over to me did we have enough officials here today coach and I said you sure did and one of them came running up to me and gave me a big hug and I said what is this all about and it was one of my ex-players, Daryl Johnson, 
who was from Santa Monica City College and played at UNLV, a tight end, has, is now a Pac-12 official. And he says, Coach, I've been in the league for two years. I said, I didn't even realize that. So you see your players grow up, and you see them mature, and you see them do different things, and then you see them when you're not expecting to see them at places like USC in their spring drill. So the, it was a beautiful day, beautiful turf, beautiful atmosphere, and, of course, uh, I thought the practice was tremendous. My next thing, and I'm sorry to make this so long. No problem, Coach. But the first thing I wanted to evaluate was the new coaches. So I don't like to talk to a lot of people when I'm watching practice. It ends up that way towards the end. But I wanted to go around and watch each coach work and watch him closely before they got into the scrimmage as far as coaching techniques relationship with players, uh, terminology, the, the whole package. And what I was really impressed with, started with the secondary and, and watching Sanders work, I saw a drill that I haven't seen for a long time, and it really impressed me the way he was coaching it, is getting this free safety involved in the play. They're working on the breaks of the free safety to the football as far as to make interceptions. If you go back and you check in the past, the safety at USC hasn't been in many plays. They haven't made a lot of interceptions. And they were really doing a great job at teaching it and working with it. So I was really uh, impressed with the way he communicated with his pupils. I call them pupils or student athletes on when to break on the ball, how to break on the ball, saying this is uh, the way you break on the ball. You can't do anything better than that. You did what you're supposed to do. And he was coaching every play. I think being a coach is you have to be a teacher, not watch and say, oh, that was a crappy job, and never tell the kid why it was or why he made a great play or what he did right or wrong. And Sanders was doing that. Then I went over and watched uh, uh, Martin coach the, re the receivers, and he was working with them. And what I liked about him is getting involved in the drill and even being the defensive back himself or outside linebacker and trying to hold up the tight end on releases or be the guy so that you can be close to your player and you can really teach him what he's doing right or not doing correctly the way you want it done and then coaching it one at a time, not trying to go in such a hurry that you never have a chance to make a correction or a comment. So I was really impressed with the way he worked. So I was very happy with the coaching techniques and the communication that Martin was having with his receivers. Then I watched the linebackers and their group work and so on, and Hazleton doesn't say a lot, but when he talks, you listen. He's now singling the, the plays in from Coach Kiffin to the, to the defense uh, when they scrimmage and so on. His linebackers moved well. They're in position. I saw a lot of them really maturing a lot, like Ty Madden really made a nice hit. And he's, he's a complete more well, physical football player. Not that he doesn't have a, a great group of players to coach, but, but I was impressed with the way he coached and the way he was involved in, 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 the, in the practice itself. So evaluating the new coaches, that's one thing I wanted to do closely and I love the communication that Sanders had with his DBs. Like they try to throw some deep routes during seven-on-seven seven and some of the routes, and, and uh, they couldn't hit Lee or they couldn't hit some of the receivers that were out there. And he says, and he would yell at his receivers, that was 2011, it's 2012 now. It's going to be different in 2012. Because one thing they have to change, and they want to change, of course, is the pass defense at USC. And you can see them working towards that, starting with the basic techniques and fundamentals and encouragement and bumping up uh, chests together when great plays are made. And I was really impressed with the way the three new coaches fit into the format of the new and past coaching staff. So that's my first impression. We could talk about players and drills and players and a lot of things that happened in practice, but I think... Uh, I wanted to explain the facility, the day, the crowd, the number of parents that were there, the enthusiasm, and the new coaches as we open today's segment.
Now, that's that's great stuff, Coach. We really appreciate you looking at the new coaches. That was SP Trader's question. He wanted to hear what your thoughts are on the new coaches, so we already got to that. That's great stuff. Um, we do appreciate your insights there because I think you look at it a different way when you're looking at these coaches and evaluating them. We're trying to check out what's going on, but when you see new drills and, and how the communication works between the new coaches and the old coaches, I think that really helps all the Trojan fans out there understand better what's going on. Well, I tell you, all I do is when I go, first of all, there's certain things I want to accomplish when I'm there. Uh, I stand by myself. I take a roster with me so I make sure I know who are the new players and so on. And I like doing that. And then as the practice goes along, you start communicating with a lot of friends that you see there. But there's certain things I want to watch and watch the progress of players and coaches and see if there are any new things. Like, for example, I noticed that in the scrimmage, they ran the fullback on a running play. Now, I don't remember them last year maybe five times the whole season yeah. <laughs> running the fullback, but they ran the fullback on a reverse pivot dive. So that was something new that I noticed. And if I hadn't been paying attention, I might have missed it. So they, they're adding a couple of things that maybe we all thought that they should be adding. And, and uh, I'd like to just see just how far they carry some of the, the new things in the offense and the defense that they worked on during the offseason. Okay, well, let's uh, jump in. We'll, we'll get to some of these questions, and I'll let you talk about the team a little bit more. And then if we have some time at the end, we can dive into a few more observations. Um, John S. wanted to know, he said he loves the podcast, listens to everyone, hear a lot about other athletes, but what about George Farmer? He seems to be the best athlete on the team, speed, size. Where do you think he will fit in? They need to get him on the field. Well, he's going to be a receiver. He's not going to be a running back. I think if they'd have kept him at running back, he may have left USC. You know, he's the number one receiver in the country a year ago. And he's having a great spring, and he's going to be a great player. And uh, he should be a great player. He's healed. He's not beat up. He's got to learn. He's got to get a lot of reps. And Robert Woods Woods was beat up a little bit, so he's going to get more reps. Uh, I thought that Blackwell on on Saturday uh, looked tremendous. And, and, and Flournoy and these kids, they've got a great group of receivers. They really do. Farmer will fit right in. And... Uh, and be a part of the receiving core. Who will be number three, I'm not sure, but I would say probably Farmer and, and uh, Blackwell uh, will will really battle it out. Flournoy, he's, he's a great player too. So it's great to have great competition, because great competition makes better players. That's how you get better in practice, not just game day. Going against great DBs and having competition on your own team makes you a better football player. It's like anything else you do. If you have competition in anything, you strive to push yourself every play to get bigger and better and faster and understand what you're supposed to do because if you don't, someone's going to move past you. You don't have it made. You're not walking on the practice field and say, oh, I've got it made. If I'm Robert Woods, I'm sitting back saying, i got to get well, too. <laughs> so you look at the other side of it, right? You look at the yeah. other side. You see these guys doing well. He's an All-American, but he says, these guys are pretty good. i got to get well. So it helps the healing process as well as helps the players get better. All right. Uh, thanks for that one, John S. Uh, we had – I'll go through a couple of these real quick. William called in, and he loves the show. He's in, uh, I think, the Chicago area. Says he doesn't like it when I say hello to Rogan fans at the very beginning of the show. And, Coach, I don't know about you. I'll, I'll stop. I don't think I have the best voice in the world for sure. But every time I talk to people about the podcast, they love hearing that. So, William, I'm sorry. I, you seem to be in the minority, but other people write in. If you don't like it, I can get rid of that. Um, but everyone I've talked to before, they love hearing the hello Trojan fans. It gets going. But William's, William's not a fan of that, Coach. I don't know what to do. Well, let me tell you what you do. You know, <laughs> Willie, we love you. But Ryan loves saying that. So we got to be teammates, okay? You can't carry the ball every play. But you got to be there and do your blocking, so I'll say it. Hello, Trojan fans. All right. Now you can get mad at me. But, <laughs> but Willie, we love you. We love you calling in and being a part of our podcast and listening. Without you, we don't have a show. So we'll try to not maybe say it as much, but most of the listeners are Trojan fans. A lot of Trojan fans listen to the show. And a lot are just football fans. So maybe we should say, Ryan, hello, Trojan fans. 
and Willie. <laughs> Next show. That's what I should have done this morning. That'd be good. Um, well, here, there's a couple more quick ones. Uh, Matthew want to know about Tony Burnett coming from, t- you know, going from the football team, to the track team. Shouldn't he be on a track scholarship? And we've talked about this a whole bunch of times. Generally, everyone out there, Matthew, everyone, you can't play a lesser sport and be and on a, a scholarship for that other sport and play football. If you play football, essentially you're on a football scholarship. That's like the number one dog. You can't play baseball, be on a baseball scholarship and play football. There's no way to hide scholarships like that. Um, so you can't do that. And let's see, we had another one on Simi uh, Vahakite. Uh, Melvin wanted to know if he's he's no longer with the team. Why? And he was uh, he was arrested. There was a felony charge. Uh, it was an accident and a DUI allegation. So he's not on the team anymore. He's still in school. Um, but it does hurt the depth. He wants to know about the depth of the fullback position coach. And maybe you can comment on this. He's like, why is it so hard? to find depth at that fullback position recently. Uh, USC did sign Julio Pinner out of uh, Mission Viejo, so that brings somebody in. But he's been right. I mean, for the last few years, Coach, there's been like one or two fullbacks on the roster, it seems. Well, you know, uh, fullback position at USC is a unique uh, uh, position. It's not what you call a regular fullback. The fullback position at USC, if you watch him, determines a lot of formations for the secondary and where they what they do. He's a receiver. He's a blocker. He's an eye back. Uh, he, he plays a lot of a lot of different positions. So it takes quite a different type of person to play fullback at USC. Uh, you've heard me talk about this at times. I, I sometimes feel they're having ten and a half players play because they don't utilize their fullback with a great athlete. Not that these guys aren't great athletes, but they have to be good at a lot of different things instead of having one person be great at what they want to use him for. Like Stanley Havili was great. Like he was like the last great, great fullback probably USC had. Because he could be a great receiver too. He was a leader. He blocked. He did the whole thing. So it's very difficult to find a person that does it all. So you see them last year, they took Ellison and made him a fullback. And they brought Ross Cumming, the linebacker, over, and he did a good job too. So it's kind of a position they seem like they they can fill it with other roles, other role players, and can come in and play that if they don't find a true fullback, it seems. That's right, and that's not what you want to do at USC. You want to have 11 stars, if you can get 11 stars, 11 five-stars, 11 pluses, that give mismatches all over the field. And right now, that's been one thing that I have somewhat been critical about is the fullback use at USC as far as as a runner, blocker, receiver, all of these different things. Either make him a running back and a blocker, and when you need a receiver, make him a rece- put a receiver in the game. But again, you have tendencies then, formation tendencies. I think you have to either eliminate the fullback position or utilize it in a different way where you have your great players on the field. Nothing against the guys that are playing fullback. Nothing against them at all. Pinner might be the next thing to Havili. I was with the athletic director a couple of years ago at Mission Viejo yesterday at a memorial service. And he says Pinner's just a great player and just a great attitude. He's like Madden, and he plays not only football, he's a starter on their basketball team, which is a pretty doggone good basketball team in Mission Viejo. So he might be the closest to Havili coming in. But I just wonder sometimes the use of that position could maybe be used a little bit different with a different type of running back or receiver to complement the athletic ability that USC has on its rosters. That's, that's, I'm not going to second guess. I'm just saying my opinion on this. Will you utilize him more as a running back, where your tailback is just always the running back, you have a receiver in there, or, or something a little bit different? And, and like I mentioned, if Farmer was going to play that position, uh, if you remember Marcus Allen was a fullback at one time that could do it all. So I think you can get a great athlete, running back, type of pinner or, or others, 
uh, I'm not saying Nelson Aguilar is, uh, but somebody can bring the great speed farmer, someone into the offense where you have 11 threats all the time, all the time. So uh, that's the best way that I can explain the fullback position. I think sometimes that position is not taken advantage uh, as 100%. And obviously, Coach Giffen is using it for a reason, uh, the way he's doing it. So unless I have an opportunity to talk to him about it, I can't really answer that. And I think Selma Vanuku is another guy to watch. He's not, I don't think he's quite the athlete Stanley Avili was, but he's got some potential there. So I think if, if USC fans come out for the spring game on April 14th, you might see some big plays from Selma Vanuku. I'll just throw that out there. Um, let's go to, we had a couple questions on Jesse Scroggins, coach. First, it was Seattle Trojan. He said he's looking forward to the spring game on April 14th. That's what I just mentioned. He got his flight yesterday coming down from Seattle. He wants to know, is Scroggins eligible for spring ball? Grades should be in. He says the thumb is no longer an issue. And who's going to be the true backup, Max, Cody, or Jesse? Seems like Kiffin is, is very tight-lipped. And then we also had a uh, speak pipe question on Jesse Scroggins. I'll play that for you right now, Coach. My question is, what's going on with Jesse Scroggins? Uh, you see him in practice. You don't see, uh, you don't hear much about him uh, as far as coming into the, the lineup. Uh, where does he stand? Is he eligible to play, or, or are we just going to look at Max and uh, Matt and um, uh, Cody Kessler? Because um, I really like to see that guy out there. He has skills, he has wheels, um, and he gives a total different dynamic to the team. Uh, is he going to play, or is he just uh, uh, someone that's faltering? Well, you know, uh, it is his turn. But I don't see that really happening. I was there Saturday, and most of the practice, all he was doing is rolling up and down the field, rolling in the drills. I thought he was going to get killed or get someone else killed. It's difficult to roll for 100 yards and roll straight, and you get pretty dizzy and so on when you do those things. I, he, I he look missed at like that. a meeting or something, Cody. He missed like a workout session or a meeting. Yeah, I, for, we were, I forget what it was. He missed a workout, weight workout session. See, I... I don't want to disagree with Lane Kiffin with this, but I would think there's a better time to do that type of disciplining rather than during a practice session when a person who can become better and make your team better if he's competing for quarterback position to practice, don't miss turns, learn the terms, get his uh, throws in, do what's necessary rather than roll up and down the field. He can get up at 6 in the morning and run to the Coliseum stairs or something. Uh, I, I, I don't know. I've, I always used to say, don't take away practice time, but you have precious time to work with your players and do that type of discipline. But that's not my philosophy. I mean, that's not my decision. Coach Kiffin can do what he wants. But here you have a scrimmage. And most of the turns, or all of the turns, and Matt Barkley didn't take a lot of turns. Matt Barkley really didn't get into rhythm on Saturday. You know, he's used to taking all the turns, all the turns, all the time, getting to a rhythm. Uh, Kessler and Max Wittick took most of the turns. And uh, I know that a lot of people want to hear what I think as far as the backup, but I only saw one practice. And I thought Max Wittick looked sharp. I thought he's bigger, stronger, threw the ball well, moved well. I think Kessler moved well, but didn't have, I thought, the practice that Max Wittick had. Now, Jesse didn't do anything. Yeah. So, Scroggins has had a hip problem, I think, from the beginning. His thumb should be okay, but he he hasn't done a lot of work from what Lane Kiffin said was a hip problem. And then recently, like you mentioned, Coach, some disciplinary issues, so he was rolling most of the time. Well, you know, if you're challenging for a backup position and being the starter Sunday, you don't miss workouts. You're going to be a leader of the team. You can't miss anything. You, if you're having academic problems, I don't know if he's having academic problems. Those are all rumors you hear. You're a leader of the team. You don't have any problems. You're the first on the field and the last off the field. The more throws you can get on the field, the receivers, the more you become acquainted to them. So 
I'm not sure what's going on there, but if I'm Jesse's coach or Jesse's parents or Jesse, I say, if I'm going to remain a Trojan, I better get with it because this is my spring and I don't have any excuses. So if Jesse's listening or if a parent is listening or whatever, it's time to get after it because I'll tell you, Max Wittick looked good to me. Not to say Kessler didn't look good, but on Saturday's practice, I thought Matt Wittick really looked good. I really did. And Matt Barkley didn't get the turns that he normally gets and so on, but we know Matt Barkley, when the season comes around, he's going to get the turns. But they're trying to determine and see who the backup is. And I agree with that 100%. And the other thing I, 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 agree, I don't really agree with is Curtis McNeil doesn't need to prove anything to me. He's the starter. He's the guy just like Matt Barkley. But, man, he took a couple of shots. He took one shot, uh, the scooter. He took one shot on Saturday by Madden that smacked him that I was afraid he wasn't going to get up. So, you know, when he's your guy, I know you want him tough, but I think everybody understands that, that he's your starter, and if you don't run him all the time in there, he's going to be okay. But I hate to lose that kid, but you never know what's going to happen, especially at a position where you don't have much depth. All right. Well, we're almost out of time. We've got a couple of questions we'll try to get to fairly quickly. Let's go. Here's the first one is about the uh, L.A. Coliseum. Hello. This is Tom, and I was wondering if you could explain exactly what the situation is on the L.A. Coliseum. Is the city giving it to USC or selling it to them, or has it been concluded? And also, will they be able to build skyboxes? All the new modern stadiums have those to generate tons of extra revenue. Uh, is that possible, given the Coliseum's design? Um, and Or would it be cost prohibitive? Uh, just a few questions on the Coliseum. I'd like to have you answer. Thank you. Well, I tell you, I don't have all the answers, but I'll tell you what I hear. And I think what it'll be is a long-term lease, like a 50-year lease, okay, long time. So the money that's put into the Coliseum is definitely returned. I think what USC wants to do is make USC the have the elite football season as the big house is done and that a lot of these other stadiums have around the country. Facilities are so important, not only for the alumni and people that go to the game, but the amount of dollars that are generated from these great facilities. I would think that they would sign a long-term lease. They would go into naming rights and long-term fundraising, like over a 10-year period of time people can give money. And I would guess, now I'm guessing they would put anywhere from 150 to $200 million dollars into the Coliseum. And I've heard these type of figures, but I don't know. They would redo the locker rooms. They would put skyboxes in. They would update the seating. They would do all the things to make the Coliseum a first-rate football stadium with the idea of maintaining the Coliseum as it is today the same way the Rose Bowl is doing in Pasadena. So it's still a Coliseum by appearance, but updated to all the tradition of the great Olympics and football and everything that's been there is kept, but everything is redone. School scoreboards, bathrooms, concession stands, you name it, it can be done. And I think this can be done quickly, but it would take, I would believe, a period of, three years to four years to accomplish just like the Rose Bowl is taking three years to accomplish these changes because they're still going to play in the Coliseum and they want to have their game so they they would do it over a series of three years one years would be the press box see they don't have to tear down the press box they have now would take an afternoon to tear it down uh they would start doing the foundations for the press box before they would tear down the press box the first year. So immediately at the end of the season, they would build the press box because all the foundations are there. 
They would do the locker rooms during the off season. They could do that in, in one year. They could do a lot of things. The entrances, the concession stands, all of these scoreboards could be done over a two or three year at a period of time where they have a chance to gather the revenues with the donations and, one thing about USC, they don't have to pass any bond issues. They don't have to raise the taxes anywhere in the community. So it's something that will get done. And people can't wait to be in that type of modern facility as far as for USC football. And it again moves them to the level of what the big house and all these other stadiums, Ohio State, that made their changes and improvements, Penn State, Tennessee, all these stadiums that are strictly football, the state-of-the-art, FC will then be in that type of category. Not that the Coliseum doesn't have great tradition now, but it's outdated. You mentioned it. Sky boxes, press boxes, restaurants, different things to really take it to a level of where it's something special. And the Coliseum has that tradition and history to now keep, but then bring it up to date. All right, and then one last one, Coach, from Pops. He said, in view of the recent UCLA basketball story in SI, how do you think Coach Kiffin feels about playing college kids who are talented but not good character kids? In, the, in other words, would he play kids solely because they're talented or do they have to be good kids off the field also? That's from Pops. Well, you know, kids are kids. Kids are different. But... You know, you've got to run your program as a head football coach or head basketball coach. You've got to be the guy that they respect. You've got to know when to hug them and when to spank them. And if they deserve to get spanked, you've got to spank them. Because kids are kids, and kids know what's how teammates are being treated. And if someone can get away with something, that's just a way of somebody else getting away with something. Now you have a major problem. So when you're aware or you have a problem and players are aware that you've not disciplined a player because of a problem, you've let it go, then you got a huge problem. That's why you saw Scroggins rolling up and down the practice field. And you've got to be in control of your program as a head football coach, a head basketball program. And believe me, it is very difficult as a coach to discipline or kick off or not play a player during the season or whatever because of disciplinary problems. It hurts you as much as it does the team and the kid. But if you don't do that, you lose control of your football team. And you can't lose control of your team. You are the boss. Your word is the final word. Even in staff meetings, I used to say, I like all of your suggestions today. I really do. I think we got a lot done, but I like it this way. And that's the way it is. And you share everyone an opportunity to participate. You've got not a lot of rules, but you've got, you're always enforcing rules then. Continuously enforcing rules. You got kids being punished all the time. But the rules you put in, you better enforce. Don't put a rule in you don't enforce. Because if you put a rule in and you don't enforce it, then you're the one breaking down, not the person who broke the rule. So make sure the rules that you have, you enforce, and you'll be in good shape. All right, Coach. Well, we appreciate all the insights. I know we went a little long, but thanks for – Taking the extra time, we got to all the questions there and get your thoughts on USC spring football. We look forward to talking to you next week. I thank you, and I thank uh, you for the opportunity of being on the podcast. You know, one thing I want to pass on, I know we went a little long, but I had a chance to talk to the officials when we were staying on the sideline. I was standing behind T.J. McDonald and Tony Burnett and some of these kids, Wiley, and I looked at them and I said, if there's better-looking kids in this play in the league, tell me. I was right behind him, right next to him. And they said to me, Coach, they look just like the ones that play in the league. <laughs> so that's really a great feeling. Not Nothing against any other players, but we just happen to be standing by the secondary. They're a good-looking bunch of kids, 
and the future looks real bright for USC. It certainly does, Coach. Well, again, thanks very much, and everyone, thank you for tuning in. Stay tuned. 30 seconds from now, we'll come back with Gerard Martinez. We're going to talk all about USC recruiting. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We've got a special treat. Gerard Martinez, uscfootball.com, national recruiting analyst, knows everything about USC recruiting. There is to know. He is joining us. He's going to answer your questions. What's up, Gerard? How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just uh, getting away from first week of spring ball, and now we have a reprieve. It's uh, halftime of spring ball for us. And so uh, we're going to make some adjustments and get out in the second half and have even better coverage for the second half. For sure, yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting deal having that break. We talked with Coach Harvey Hyde in the last segment. But we'll have, we'll have some time off, too, to kind of evaluate what we saw and then look forward to the next four weeks of USC spring football. But it also gives the opportunity for the coaches to do a little recruiting, Gerard. Is that what they're going to do this week? No. <laughs> That's not what they're going to do this week. This week they're going to be off and there won't be much recruiting actually going on uh, this week. Really, you're looking more towards the end of March, early April, when things will start to really heat up, and April 15th is going to be the first day of uh, May evaluation. So that's when you really see it kick into high gear. But they'll have some unofficial visits here, um, you know, as spring ball starts to kind of really get underway, and you'll have guys like Thomas Tyner, six foot, 200-pound, running back from Beaverton, five-star, committed to Oregon, but uh, one of these guys at uh, USC's just got to recruit regardless of his commitment because uh, he might be that good. He's a big-time track guy, you know, running a 10-5-6, and at six foot, 200 pounds, you know, that's pretty good speed for a guy that size. And, uh, you know, um, you're going to have guys like Isaac, um, Ty Isaac, who come, he always kind of mixes me up. I always see, think Isaac, and it's, it's, it's the first name, and then it's really his last name. <laughs> so Ty, Ty Isaac, who's about 6'2", 6'3", 215 pounds, uh, big running back from Juliet, Illinois. He's going to be coming out uh, late March also for an unofficial visit, and that's going to be pretty significant in his recruitment because he's trying to get out of uh, high school early and trying to be an early graduate, and that would be really big for USC to be able to get in a guy who's really a five-star level caliber running back um, a big guy, um, plays in that kind of wing tee. It's hard to kind of get a sense as to whether he's really a power back or he's just a, a guy that's got, you know, kind of power back size, uh, but a little more of a finesse guy when you watch him on film. He's really pretty fast for his size, and, and he runs really well, but doesn't really put his shoulder down on a lot of guys. So kind of trying to still evaluate if he's really uh, a true power back or just a guy with size, but regardless, still a really good player, still really high on USC's list. And for him to come for an unofficial visit and maybe he makes a commitment sometime during the summer, um, you know, USC really wants to make sure they make a good first impression with him when he comes out. Uh, and so, you know, you're going to have some guys. Michael Hutchings is going to come in down from uh, Concord, uh, California, the big-time De La Salle linebacker. Uh, he's a five-star level guy um, coming down and, and really kind of getting a feel for Scotty Hazleton, the new linebacker coach and, uh, you know, getting to see USC in person and sit down with the coaches. USC is definitely high on his list, along with Cal and Washington. Oregon's trying to make way into his recruitment as well. So you're going to have quite a few pretty notable name recruits coming in here uh, during, um, you know, the latter parts of March and into April. So we'll see how it goes. But right now, I mean, this is really is one of those weeks that uh, the coaching staff really kind of takes some time off. And, you know, with these new coaches, really it's going to be time for them to go house hunting and moving into their new homes and <laughs> kind of acclimating to Los Angeles as a whole because a lot of these guys have been spending a lot of time at the Radisson across the street. And <laughs> you ask them about their transition to Los Angeles, they're going, it's been really easy, you know, just kind of uh, – 
walk across the street to campus because I've been staying in the Radisson for the last week. So uh, that we'll see how that goes too. So it's going to be kind of a, a kind of a cool down week. You know, it's been bang, 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 kind of right out of signing day. They had the junior day, and then they're right in the spring ball. So uh, it's been pretty hectic for uh, the USC coaching staff. Certainly has. Well, let's get to some of these questions, Gerard. Uh, Max32 wants to know, who's USC going after as a true Mike linebacker in the class, and who are the candidates that could fill that role? Or do you, or do you see USC going after a true Mike linebacker and who the candidates are? Sorry. I see them going after a true Mike linebacker, much as I see them trying to go after a true offensive tackle. I think that, uh, you know, you could say they, they don't really need linemen, but they do need an offensive tackle. They don't necessarily need linebackers, but they do need a true line, Mike linebacker, a middle linebacker. I think Scott Starr, you know, they're trying to kind of move him into that position right now in spring ball. He's played pretty well. Talked to Scotty Hazleton uh, last week a little bit about uh, his transition into that position. And Coach Hazleton was, was pretty impressed with him. Felt like he can play that position. You know, he's got definitely the awareness um, he has uh, from, a, from a mental standpoint, uh, the capacity to be able to kind of understand the defense and make those calls and be uh, kind of a leader out there. That Mike Linebacker position in USC's defense is like a quarterback on the defense. So you have to have a guy that's vocal. You have to have a guy uh, that's uh, really cerebral. And, and they felt like Starr has that ability. And then with his athleticism, dropping back in the Tampa 2 type coverages uh, that, you know, that's kind of an added bonus. Um, he's been an edge rusher his whole time in, in high school and really played more of a guy that was almost like a two-point defensive end in a lot of situations. And so this is definitely an adjustment. I mean, playing in the middle, playing in space is uh, definitely a lot different. And, you know, kind of trod by fire. They throw a lot at their linebackers, you know, early on at USC. You know, the freshmen, they don't kind of bring them along slowly. They kind of give them everything and just make those adjustments, you know, back in film and, and when they get off the field and here, this is what you really did wrong. This is why this play didn't work out for you. So Scott Starr is a guy that right now they're kind of pressing in that position, trying to get some depth there because they really have nobody uh, there, you know, after Lamar Dawson. And so uh, we'll see if Scott Starr is able to, to develop in that position. But I think they would like to bring in a true guy in this class that can play middle and, and kind of has some feel for playing in the middle from high school. Um, they just offered uh, Pennsylvania um, linebacker Alex uh, Alazzoni, who's, um, you know, a, a pretty kind of versatile player. He, he plays a little bit uh, on the edge as well, but I think definitely a lot of people think that he could end up playing Mike linebacker a little better. Um, you know, he's a guy that's got a lot of offers right now. You know, Notre Dame's in on him. Ohio State's in on him. Obviously, Penn State's in on him. Uh, you know, he's got quite a few offers, and so USC's not necessarily at the back end of that, but they are trying to kind of make their way into it and make up a little bit of ground, you know, 6'3", 220 pounds. Um, he's going to have to gain a little weight to be a true middle linebacker, but it kind of feels like just watching him on film that he could probably make that transition, maybe even either easier than Scott Starr could. Um, another guy that's uh, already got an offer is James Hearns from Tallahassee Lincoln High School. USC obviously having a pretty good pipeline into Tallahassee Lincoln over the years. He's already committed to Florida. That happened pretty early in the process, but it's not like he's still probably going to look around there's probably going to be a chance to recruit him and he's a guy that's you know actually listed right now as a inside linebacker even rated as an inside linebacker at 6'3 230 pounds so you know that's a guy that USC is probably going to look at and they're probably going to try to you know make some make some inroads with him seeing that they've had some success there at Tallahassee Lincoln with Juwanza Starling and you've got the mysterious Buck Allen still on the roster uh, TJ Bryan's come and gone but they've had some success there so we'll see if USC's going to try to make some some inroads there with James Hearns. You know, Reuben Foster is a guy that, you know, long shot of long shots being committed to Alabama from Alabama. But that's, you know, maybe one of the best inside linebackers that I've seen uh, just on film nationally. He's rated as an outside linebacker, but I think he's definitely a guy that can and, and maybe will play inside linebacker. Maybe even at Alabama he'll be an inside linebacker. I mean, 6'2", 230. He's very explosive. He plays really good north and south. And he's a guy that just, uh, I mean, to me on film, he, he kind of has that Ray Lewis type look to him. I mean, he's very violent inside uh, the gaps and, and really plays his gap um, assignments really, really aggressively and, um, and is fast and, and, like I said, just very explosive and very sudden. So that's a guy that USC is going to recruit. I mean, you've got uh, T. Martin there and, uh, you know, being from Mobile, Alabama, He's going to recruit the heck out of Alabama. He's going to recruit the heck out of the South and try to get into places that maybe USC couldn't get into before, but still, obviously, a long shot. Um, Isaac Sava, uh, Sava, Sava Ania. 
I can't pronounce that name off the top of my head as well as I'd like to. Sounds pretty good. Um, <laughs> he's from uh, uh, Punahou uh, High School in uh, Honolulu, Hawaii. A lot of people looking at him like uh, he's going to be, you know, maybe the next man to tail. I don't think he's that good right now, um, but definitely a, a player that's, you know, on USC's radar. USC hasn't offered him a scholarship yet, um, but you know, getting a lot of uh, getting a lot of hype off the island right now. So I think USC will definitely look at him, and he's a guy that's, you know, more of an inside linebacker at this point, and could maybe be a true guy that you could bring in. Um, so that's kind of another guy to watch, and, and maybe locally Cameron Judge. Um, you know, a linebacker who's about you know, 6'1", 6'2", uh, 215 pounds from uh, Oaks Christian High School. Uh, really the only, you know, local linebacker that we've kind of seen that has been a guy that, you know, uh, kind of keep an eye on. Um, it, it, as a Mike linebacker, at least, you know, he's, again, listed outside, but you start to see a lot of these guys outside, and, and you can kind of see, you know, how they can maybe play inside as well. And, uh, you know, Cameron Judge is, is pretty pretty solid player all around. He's got a lot of Pac-10 offers right now. UCLA's offered him. Um, you he's kind of taking their time, but they can. And so, you know, that's the guy that uh, though later down the line, maybe through, you know, the evaluation process, maybe over the summer he camps, you know, he can impress enough to maybe, you know, get a scholarship offer from USC. And that's one of kind of the few guys locally. I think, you know, Marcus Stamps is another kid from Jefferson High School. He's about six one. He's only about 205 pounds. I've seen him play a little bit on Mike Linebacker uh, just on the camp tour um, and in these passing leagues. And he's a guy that really impresses me as well. But I think he probably play more outside linebacker uh, just because of his build. Um, but maybe another guy to kind of keep an eye on as well. But I, I think, yeah, definitely, like, as far as Mike linebackers go, that's a position that USC specifically wants to recruit and wants to gain some depth at because they've got guys that are outside linebackers. They've got outside linebackers all day long, but they definitely need uh, somebody in that middle um, that, can, that, can, that can be kind of that solid second guy behind Lamar Dawson, you know, we'll see if it ends up being Scott Starr. Uh, but if it's not, you know, they're really going to need some depth because they really only have one guy there that they probably feel pretty good about. Wow. Okay. Uh, thanks for that one, Max. Uh, let's see. Let's go to um, – he said, okay, the question is, I was looking at the receivers in the West region and USC's – the ones at USC recruiting, I wanted Gerard, the recruiting guru's opinion on them. He gave four guys, uh, Daryl Daniels, Stephen Mitchell – Devon Allen and Sebastian LaRue. He said, I didn't think USC's recruiting LaRue, but from the film he saw, he looks like DeAnthony Thomas, super explosive and can make people miss early, set up the blocks well. Uh, so he thinks it's someone that USC should be recruiting. But uh, how about commenting on those receivers, Gerard? Um, okay, starting with uh, LaRue. I've seen LaRue quite a few times. I would not compare him to DeAnthony Thomas at all. Um, although he's a very good player, and uh, definitely a guy that USC is going to look at. Uh, I just DeAnthony Thomas was was super explosive and was super sudden and was super fast. Uh, Larue's really not that level guy in terms of athleticism. Um, he's a little bigger, uh, but not real big either. I think he would be a little more uh, comparable to Bryce Treggs, maybe. Uh, pretty smooth, good hands, uh, makes really good good plays on the ball, you know, up in the air, um, but not a very big guy. And I think that's going to be the biggest issue for USC is, uh, you know, do they feel comfortable enough with his size to bring him in to be a guy that maybe comes in and, and kind of can replace a Robert Woods. Um, but he, he's a very good player, and, and, he, and he's really smooth in his routes and does some really good things and, and probably one of the top players uh, at that position in California. And it's really a down year for receivers in California, really a down year. Don't, don't see a lot of guys that – uh, you know, just jump out at you that you really get excited about. Um, some of the other guys, you know, mentioned we saw um, Devin Allen a little bit at the uh, Army All-American Combine. You know, pretty good size guy, but still kind of a tweener between being a, a big possession receiver and just kind of a, a normal slot receiver. Um, he's about 6'1"-ish, uh, maybe 6'2", but probably more like 6'1"-ish, and um, used his body as well. He's got really good hands, uh, good route runner, pretty polished kid, uh, but not necessarily a guy that's going to be real explosive or has an it factor in terms of athleticism. Um, and USC is definitely always kind of about, you know, finding that guy that's got that track speed or, or has that just that crazy ability. Um, Steven Mitchell is a guy that does have very, very good speed. He ran like a 4.7 at the Under Armour Combine uh, in January and then turned around and, and was at the Army All-American Combine just uh, a few days later. We watched him. He's very good. He's very explosive. He's very fast. The 4.7 really doesn't, uh, represent his speed well, and you know I really like him. I, I like his 
ability. I like uh, his work ethic. I like his demeanor. Um, he is small, though, and he kind of admitted even to me when I talked to him a little bit about USC, he didn't really have a lot of confidence in, in USC recruiting him because he was small. So he kind of had recognized that and said, you know, USC really likes those big receivers, and I'm not that guy. He's definitely more of a, you know, Jadon Mickens in terms of size, uh, in terms of athleticism, but I think he's a little more focused and he's a little harder worker than Jadon Mickens, and I think, you know, that maybe gives him a little more of a, an opportunity to be recruited by USC despite his size. Um, but he's definitely a very explosive player. I would kind of compare him more to De'Anthony Thomas than I would Sebastian LaRue. Um, Daryl Daniels, the last guy listed, uh, a bigger receiver of the group. He's a closer to about 6'3", 6'2", about 205 pounds. Um, really, really raw, really, you know, in terms of his body and everything like that. Hasn't really seen the weight room. You know, when we saw him at the, Arm, uh, the Army Underclassman Combine, he wasn't particularly very impressive he, he kind of ran sloppy routes and kind of ran high you know he's got okay hands on film however he looks really good on film uh he you know he, he's running away from guys at his size um you know he's catching the ball he's making great moves after the catch he looks a lot more dynamic a lot more explosive it might be just a matter of where he went to the combine he was just not comfortable he just didn't know the drills and never been in that setting before so he's a guy that needs a little more uh evaluation and, and just to get to see him more uh but definitely wasn't super super impressive at the army under the classroom combine and so you know we want to see him a little more see if he's the guy we see on film and obviously it's oakland being from Oakland is not the top competition in California, and so maybe that has something to do with this film as well. That's just why we need to see a little more evaluation of him in person, and maybe at a Nike camp or something we'll get to see and, and get a little better feel as to whether he's that guy we saw in San Antonio or he's that guy we see on film. All right, good stuff there. Let's see. Let's go to Ed. With the absence of a beast-like runner a la Lendell White, would Coach Kiffin consider bringing in Tra, is it Tra Carson? Trey Carson. Trey Carson. I'm sorry. I don't know. He, is from that Morgan. Yeah. They're running back from Morgan. Okay. Yeah. He said, I checked out on the web, six feet, 227 pounds, four, six speed. Seemed to fit a need for the Trojans. He's stuck behind uh, Barner and the Anthony Thomas and wants playing time. I know he was always dangerous to take a disgruntled play, player, but in this case, the opponents, especially when we face Oregon, that's Ed. What do you think about that? I think that I don't really get a feel that USC would go after him. I know that they're short on running backs, but like you said, you know, messing around with uh, a player coming from a program because he wasn't playing, and, you know, obviously USC, you know, they want guys that are top guys, and if it didn't work out for him, you know, you could say maybe it was a system thing, um, but, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just a talent thing, and it doesn't work very often where you get transfers and they come in and they really contribute and they really make an impact on your program, and when you're doing it, in conference, it kind of complicates matters, too. So I don't know. I, I, I haven't really heard much about it. I haven't really asked much about it, but I don't know if I get a vibe that uh, USC would, would be lining up uh, to get a guy like Carson. Um, you know, I see how it works on paper, but it's just one of those things that uh, very complicated, and, and I think uh, they just have to be careful with it. Um, I, I think, you know, with everything going on with Oregon and the guys that have left Oregon, interestingly, uh, have all had those Will Lyles uh, contacts and, and connections. And, and Trey Carson's another guy. You know, they lost C-Strunk. Um, they lost uh, Dante Williams and then at least Carson. Those are all those Texas guys uh, that, that came to Oregon from Texas and had some um, ties to Will Lyles. Now, there's other guys that are still at Oregon that have ties to Will Lyles that, that haven't left. You know, a guy like uh, uh, Josh Huff. Um, you know, obviously, the Michael James, although the Michael James has gone, and, and so has Darren Thomas. Both those guys are, you know, eligible for the draft and, and have decided to go ahead and go to the draft. So, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's that's a situation that maybe USC doesn't want to get near. Makes sense. Okay. Uh, we had an interesting here. I don't think we're going to be, be able to answer these, but Matt in Washington and Andrew in Anaheim. Andrew wanted to know, can you discuss the top one or two targets at each position for the Trojans on the 2013 recruiting tw recruiting trail? And how likely each is ended going to end up with USC? Uh, Matt in Washington, similar thing. He wanted to know about the top five or six players on USC's board. I guess we have to wait. You know, we we just asked Gerard about one position, Mike linebacker. We got a ten minute answer, so that would, <laughs> that would take three shows. But uh, I guess when is the uh, the target list going to come out, Gerard? Maybe we'll do a special show just for that. But I don't think that can be a question we answer just on this show. 
we can do a target list. Um, it wouldn't be bad to actually kind of try to integrate that into the live show sometime maybe and, and give people some visual along with, uh, you know, talking about it. Um, but as, as far as, you know, what we've actually done um, over the course year of the spring and because, you know, junior day was so quick after uh, signing day, you know, usually all this stuff is kind of spread out. And now, you know, everybody wants to know what's going on because Rivals has already put out their top 100 and their top 250. Junior day has already been come and gone. So now everybody's all anxious and, you know, they already want the target list. What we've been doing is actually putting out our spotlight pieces, which is featuring each position, talking about the top three or four players at each position and then, you know, listing uh, the rest of the players that are possible targets. So you're really getting more from an evaluation standpoint. You're really learning more about each of these recruits than just having a list of guys and who's on there and who's not on there and who's a top 50 guy and who's a hundred guys. So uh, the, the spotlight, the features that we've been putting out, if you've been paying attention to that, you know, we've gone over quarterback, we've gone over running back, we've gone over receiver and tight end, and now we're going into offensive line and defensive line. So, you know, if you, you're subscribing to uscfootball.com, you're on top of that. I think just kind of going in to some of the positions that, you know, we haven't covered in those features, you know, like we talked a little bit about linebacker and inside linebacker being, you know, kind of a, a key position for USC and some of these guys that are being recruited, you know, how they fit into that position, whether they are listed, you know, by rivals as an inside linebacker or an outside linebacker, some of those guys that are recruiting and the offers that are out there. Um, you know, I think, you know, Michael Hutchings, as far as a linebacker, that's, you know, kind of really the guy right now for USC. Not a great year, it looks like, for linebacker in-state, and he kind of stands out. He's had an offer now. Uh, since, you know, last September, uh, last August. So he's a guy that obviously is, is kind of priority number one for USC. I think for cornerback, it's an interesting position. We've already talked a little bit about, uh, you know, at least in the war room reports and on the boards, that USC looks like they want to take five defensive backs in this class. You know, as far as cornerbacks are concerned, uh, Chris Hawkins was a guy that just kind of got offered a scholarship last week. It was kind of a big deal because, you know, six foot, uh, 170-pound cornerback uh, from Ranch Cucamonga, who's a four-star, was a guy that really was huge on USC. I mean, his dad's a huge USC fan. Chris himself's a huge USC fan. Um, there was talk that, you know, just to, to, to get a scholarship offer from USC, he would graduate early, not for any other school, but just for USC. If he could get a scholarship uh, because he graduated early, uh, they would jump on it. So, you know, he was kind of given a verbal offer, came down for an unofficial visit Friday. A lot of people really felt like, you know, okay, USC is a school to beat. They offer him, and it's kind of going to be a done deal. From what I understand, uh, USC is kind of on him, but maybe not as on him as hard as he kind of presumed, I guess, coming in and, and, and with the talk of an unofficial visit and, and getting an offer verbally. It just sounds like that's a very kind of um, vague situation right now, and, and USC is not the team to beat. I would say Stanford is still the team to beat, and whether USC continues to pursue Chris Hawkins or not remains to be seen. So that kind of got thrown for a loop. Priest Willis is another kid that, at least regionally, uh, USC offered a scholarship. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. We saw him at B2G, and he's a guy that kind of could play safety, make him play corner. He got an LSU offer just recently. He was really enamored with that. Obviously, LSU's had you know a, a tremendous amount of success putting cornerbacks in the NFL the last few years. And so, you know, Priest Willis definitely looking at that. But at least a guy from Arizona that is kind of a regional recruit that USC's after that they might have some success with. Uh, Johnny Johnson being the other cornerback that they've offered in state, who's uh, about 5'10", 180 pounds, a little smaller, but still very, very good player. Um, I think the one thing that, you know, USC, USC would really like to see from him is get him on the clock and see kind of what his track times are, see what his 40 is. Um, they're going to try to get him in for the Rise of Stars camp. But he has been uh, offered already by USC verbally, and uh, USC is definitely going to be up there. It kind of seems like an Oregon-USC battle right now. So a quarterback, that's kind of where it is, at least locally. You know, the guys that are, that are the serious candidates at safety, the top of the list, it's Sue Cravens, a five-star uh, safety slash maybe outside linebacker, 6'1", 205 pounds from Marietta, California. Um, he's kind of the big get right there at safety, and next to him is Max Redfield, who we love. I mean, we just love Max Redfield. 6'2", 195 pounds, plays receivers, plays safety, plays for Mission Viejo High School, and really does great things on both sides of the ball. And, and really, I mean, as a star player on a really good team, 
and um, just to see him contribute all over the field the way he does, I mean, I really like his talent. So I think USC looking for, you know, five defensive backs, I think there's, there's two safeties that jump out at you for sure that are priority one and priority 1A. It's going to be Sua Cravens and Max Redfield for sure. They have some other offers out there right now, but those are the two t- top two guys. Now, defensive tackle, that's a position that, I mean, I could go on and on about. It's all out-of-state offers right now. Uh, they've got, you know, like five or six uh, offers out to Florida uh, recruits and so that's kind of one of those things where you go okay you just kind of have to go through the process filter out who just wants to have a scholarship offer to have a scholarship offer from USC and who's really looking forward to actually coming in for an unofficial visit because that kind of separates the contenders from the pretenders in terms of guys that are really interested in USC um, I would say the one interesting guy there uh, to keep an eye on is Derek Calloway um, 6'1 300 pound defensive tackle from Bradenton Florida he's originally from California and went to Narbonne High School actually as a freshman his dad still lives out here so he might be coming out here this summer and checking out USC as well so that you know kid at least has some California ties and some roots in Los Angeles and is a little more familiar with USC and the travel may be easier because he has a parent out here so um, that's kind of a quick breakdown and I know it wasn't that quick but it's as quick as I can make it of some of the defensive players that we have yet to go over on our spotlight feature but Please, please check it out, the Spotlight feature. It goes into in-depth evaluations. Brian uh, Bonafi and myself go in to every one of these players, and we talk about them ad nauseum um, <laughs> as far as, uh, you know, what they bring to the table in terms of, you know, just as talented players and then as actual USC targets. So we were, you know, I'm, I'm blaming uh, Andrew just for me. Well, it's my fault for just reading that, but I was going to say, hey, that's not a question we're going to answer. What does Gerard okay. do? He answered it. So that's good. <laughs> Uh, well, real quick before we let you go, we had we had some questions from last week, too. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. We had a bunch of them. Sorry about that. You can resend them in. But Emily and Corona and Terry in Los Angeles both wanted to know about when will we know about guys coming into the Rising Stars camp? And uh, Terry specifically said, you think there's going to be a good group of out-of-state recruits coming to the Rising Stars camp in June, or is it too early to tell? It's a little early to tell. They're always going to have a pretty good group of out-of-state guys coming in for the Rising Stars camp. And I think with uh, you know T. Martin coming in and being able to recruit the South, I think once you get in the May valuation period, you get in the back end of May, that's when you really start to get the feel for guys who have actually made solid plans to get out to the Rising Stars camp. Like I said, USC's got some good guys coming in on unofficial visits here late March into early April, so that's good too. I mean, getting guys on campus and getting them around the coaching staff is big. Rising Stars camp is, is really unique, though, because you get those kids in that environment where they're actually – you know, being coached by the players and, or excuse me, being coached by the coaches and get to kind of get a feel for what it is to be a Trojan, to be like a player at USC. They're staying on campus or staying overnight. Um, just the interaction with, uh, you know, some of the current players and the coaches, I think it's a big deal. And you saw, you know, it paid dividends with Nelson Aguilar and Leonard Williams. Both those guys are rising stars alums. So I think that's a really big deal. We're going to kind of get a feel of, you know, guys like Alvin Kamara, um, you know, uh, I know Justin Davis is coming down for the Rising Stars camp. That's an in-state guy, but still a, a really big guy as a running back to get in. It's really going to be, you know, the running back position, and you know, can they sneak maybe some guys in that are that are their corners and some of these defensive tackles. That's really where you know the the bulk of those out-of-state offers have gone. And and as I said before, you know, linebacker position is a little sketchy right now in terms of its state. You know, how many guys are they really going to take if they can get Hutchins and get him? You know, done deal at some some point you know maybe during the season next season because i think he really wants to wait and kind of see over his options it's a possibility he might just get that feeling and turn around and, and commit early to a school but you know he's kind of put that off a little bit and he's telling me that he really kind of wants to wait um but so i mean if you get him you know are you, are you basically just okay we got our guy that's going to be our outside guy he's going to be that guy that's going to end up taking over for maybe Dion bailey as a will linebacker now we're just going to concentrate on finding our guy you know who's going to be the mike guy um that might be you know what happens then and so you're hoping you get somebody in for that rising stars camp that can kind of stand out and be that guy so um it's going to kind of be i think a little more defensive, um, you know, where they try to bring those guys in from out of state and maybe see if they bring in a big-time running back uh, to go along with, you know, the unofficial visit for Ty Isaac and, you know, Justin Davis coming in. All right, Gerard. Well, great stuff as always. Really appreciate you coming on the show and sharing all the insight. A lot of good stuff. Awesome. Well, thanks for having me. And uh, next time uh, I'll try not to answer the questions I'm asked. 
<laughs> no, great job. There's just so much. There's a lot of detail, and you're not you're not shy to give them the detail. And I think that's what a lot of people like. We might not be able to get to every single one, but the questions you're answering, people are going to know what's going on with these kids. That's the that's the point. We try to give them as much insight as possible and uh, educate people. You know, it's uh, the recruiting process is one of those things that uh, it takes time to kind of get into and, and to understand. But I think once people really kind of get a feel for it, you know, there's just so much out there and there's so many subplots that happens. And, but at this point in the year, you know, you got to have to introduce some of these recruits to kids. And for me, you know, even me, I'm still learning and, and kind of figuring out who's who and, um, you know, getting a feel for, you know, these players and, and talking to them for the first time. And, you know, with the out-of-state recruits, you know, you got to call them and, and talk to them and, and get a feel for, oh, like this guy is definitely looking, you know, he's looking good for USC. A guy like Craig Bryant, who's, uh, you know, the, 5'11", 200-pound running back from Delray Beach, Florida. You know, that's a guy that, you know, you just talk to and you go, okay, this guy's really serious about USC. Alvin Kamara is the running back that I talked to, uh, 5'10", you know, 195-pound uh, kid from uh, Norcross, Georgia. Another guy that, you know, you talk to him on the phone, you go, okay, this guy's a, a guy that SC can recruit. You know, he's not necessarily just, you know, stuck into I got to play in the SEC and I don't want to go far away from home. And so at this point in the year, you know, we're kind of trying to get used to, you know, the new names and everything and trying to introduce them also to the fans so they can kind of understand, you know, who USC is really recruiting. All right, Gerard. Well, thanks again. We appreciate you coming on the show and everyone else. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll talk to you all again next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.